The dictionary defines perseverance as steady persistence in a course of action. Synonyms include doggedness, steadfastness, and tenacity. In the New Testament, the Greek word is hupomone, and it describes the person who is never swayed from his purpose, even by the greatest trials. James says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Where do you need some hupomone today? Do you need financial perseverance in a tough economy? Or relational perseverance in a difficult marriage? Remember this, the testing of your faith produces hupomone. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. When trials come your way, do you falter or do you flourish? Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and you're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Well, life is filled with challenges. Maybe you'll lose a job. Maybe you'll lose a marriage. The question is, will you lose your faith? Today, Ron takes us to the book of James in his continuing series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Along the way, he challenges us to allow the fiery trials of life to perfect us and draw us into a closer and deeper walk with God. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. With today's Something Good Radio message, James, your faith in action. Here's Dr. Ron Jones. Phil McGraw is a famous psychologist and he is perhaps best known for a daily talk show that he has on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Um, Dr. Phil has a question that he loves to ask his counselees, especially those who are frustrated with life. You know what that question is? How's that working for you? <laughs> it's a great question, isn't it? You know, he can, he can talk all around, you know, circles about what's going on in a person's uh, life and, and, and they, 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 they share with him and then he just kind of brings it down to that question. How's that working for you? Well, we're in the book of James and uh, James, who I will refer to as the half-brother of Jesus, half-brother because they have the same mother but not the same father, all right? There's a whole lot of theology behind that. But, but James is um, a New Testament writer who asks a similar question. He doesn't ask, how's that working for you? James's overarching question is, how's your faith working for you? How's your faith working for you? And that question reminds me of uh, Rich Mullins, the famous Christian music artist who had James in mind when he lyrically compared a faith that does not work to the foolishness of a screen door on a submarine. Now let that image just sink into your mind a little bit. Uh, a screen door on a submarine, no, that doesn't work, does it? Uh, that, that, that's a submarine that'll sink. It has a screen door on a submarine, but Rich Mullins wrote that uh, famous song titled Screen Door way back in the early days of um, contemporary Christian music, and it's, it's kind of a classic 
today. Both Rich Mullins and James agree that an active faith is better than an inactive faith, that a living faith far exceeds the value of a dead faith. And we might say it takes on less water. Oh, come on now. I mean, the screen door on a submarine, all right, trying to make the most of Rich Mullins' uh, imaging here. Our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is a general New Testament epistle filled with, with, with what I like to call gritty, useful, everyday spirituality. James shows us what real faith in Jesus Christ looks like in action. So I got to ask you, how's your faith working for you? Does it spring into action when you face the trials of life? Are you going through a difficult time right now? How's your faith working for you during that? Does it work to overcome temptation? Does it control your tongue, eliminate racism, and bring about real social justice? Does it resolve conflict in your relationships? Yeah, James is gonna get about as gritty as it can get. And he's gonna talk about the inner and outer conflicts that we're experiencing. Do you have the kind of faith that resolves conflict rather than dissolving it? Does it resolve conflict in your marriage? And James links all of these practical matters and a whole lot more uh, to a real, authentic faith. Now let's get to know James before we learn from his letter. The New Testament mentions four men named James. I won't talk about all four of them, but the one that most often comes to mind is uh, James, the son of Zebedee, whose brother was John. Remember the the Zebedee boys, uh, or Zebedee's boys, I should say, were, were uh, disciples of Jesus. They were known as the sons of thunder. But that's not the James who wrote the New Testament book of James. Uh, I, I really believe that James, the Lord's half-brother, one of his siblings, is more likely the author of this New Testament letter uh, called James. That James became a significant pillar in the early church, in the church in Jerusalem. He was so well known that Jude, and we'll get to the book of Jude a little bit later, it's the last book before the book of Revelation, but Jude, another one of Jesus' siblings, his half-brothers, um, Jude identified himself simply as the brother of James because James was so well known, a pillar in the church at Jerusalem, which many people believe grew to a size of 15 to 20,000 people. And it was James who was sort of the lead pastor of that church. You read through the book of Acts and elsewhere, and there were references to James and the elders. <laughs> None of the elders had you know, names that we know of, but James is mentioned because he, he took a lead role in the church in Jerusalem. Now, this is the James that um, was skeptical of his brother and his messiahship. It was not until after Jesus' resurrection that James called his brother Lord and Christ. And until then, all of Jesus' siblings were a bit skeptical of his messiahship. And can you blame them? I mean, they played stickball with Jesus in the streets of Nazareth or something like that, right? I mean, they grew up with him. I would have a hard time calling either of my brothers Messiah, either of them. They're great guys. I love my brothers but I'd have a hard time calling the Messiah unless, of course, one of them died and rose again from the dead. That's when James said, oh, he's exactly who he claimed to be. 
And he stopped calling him bro and started calling him Lord and Christ. This is the James of the book of James. With that as background, let's go to chapter one where the uh, main themes in chapter one are trials and temptations. James just jumps right into the deep end of life by saying in chapter one and verses two and three, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various or trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now James encourages the scattered Jewish believers to expect the Lord to test their faith through various trials. And his audience is a group of Jewish believers who had been scattered by persecution. Keep in mind that up until Acts chapter eight, the church in Jerusalem grew and grew and grew. Again, some people think to as many as 15 to 20,000 people, James being the leader of that church. And then in Acts chapter eight, persecution came and it scattered the believers. These are the people to whom James is writing, people who are isolated in their faith, scattered away from the warm fellowship that they enjoyed in Jerusalem. And he, he encourages them to expect the Lord to test their faith through various trials. And when he does, he, he tells them, choose joy. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials. And then after that, seek divine wisdom. Uh, there are some verses there, verses five through eight, about seeking the Lord's wisdom. And then in verses nine to 11, maintain an eternal perspective. If you're facing trials today and difficulties, know the Lord, maybe testing your faith to strengthen your faith, choose joy, uh, seek his wisdom, uh, keep an eternal perspective in mind, and, and you'll, you'll get through those trials. You see, when facing the trials of life, we can either fold up like an accordion or firm up our faith. By the way, I used to say fold up like a cheap accordion until I met an accordion player in, in our church, and he said, I've never, I've never seen a cheap accordion. Never have. Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't play the accordion, but uh, we can either fold up like an accordion does during times of trials, or we can firm up our faith. I was listening this week to an interview that Dr. John MacArthur, a pastor in California, gave to Dial In Ministries. And MacArthur said, the single most validating reality in life is not some hidden idea in your head. It's trials. It's what your faith can survive. Uh, that's right up the alley for James. James wants to know if your faith is working for you during the trials of life. James points to an eternal reward for those who refuse to fold up during difficult times and times of trial. He says in verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. There's an eternal reward waiting for those who, who remain faithful and steadfast. Uh, during times of difficulty. Now seamlessly, beginning in verse 13, James transitions from various trials to daily temptations. Let's pick it up in verse 13. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth 
death. You know, temptation is the common experience of all humanity. And uh, nobody gets an excused uh, absence from the trials of life. And likewise, no one is immune from the daily solicitations of the evil one. If you haven't already been tempted and allured to do something evil today, hey, it's coming, it's coming. Because the evil one and all of the demons, they, they have you in their crosshairs. The devil even tempted Jesus in the wilderness. James makes it clear that the source of temptation, though, is not God. It's the devil. That's his business. God tests our faith. He tests our faith like a, like a product review committee would test a product to make sure it, it can do what it says it's going to do, right? And to strengthen that product. God is in the testing business, but he never tempts us with evil. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org, for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out our Something Good travel experiences. Travel beyond belief with Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones to Bible lands like Israel, Greece, Italy, Jordan, Turkey, and Egypt. Walk in the footsteps of Jesus or navigate Paul's missionary journeys. Several new travel experiences are now open for registration. Learn more at somethinggoodradio.org travel. Temptation doesn't arrive all at once. It comes in four stages. What are these stages of temptation? And what is the solution? Find out next in the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, James, Your Faith in Action. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. James also presents us with four stages in temptation. I wish I had the time this morning to slow it down a bit, but he talks about how it begins with desire the lust in our heart, uh, those, those desires that uh, are, are sometimes not bad desires, but they're, they're desires for appropriate things, but we, the temptation is to, to get what we desire, that appropriate desire, in an inappropriate kind of way. There's desire, there's deception. Deception leads to disobedience, disobedience to death. And following the four stages in temptations, he offers a solution for temptation. And again, I have to summarize here, verses 19 through 27, he encourages us that in times of temptation, reflect on the goodness of God. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from him. Reach for the truthful word of God. Yeah, you're gonna have to pull out that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and fight spiritual battles with spiritual uh, weaponry. And remember uh, God's purpose for your life. Uh, that finishes up kind of chapter one. Chapter two, uh, the overarching theme is love and good works. And James begins in chapter two by addressing some ugly truth about uh, showing partiality in the church, he says. A sin that uh, expresses itself in a variety of ways. A lot of people today inside and outside the church talk much about the evils of racial and economic bias 
and rightly so. We don't want any racial or economic bias in our society, let alone inside the church. But James takes specific aim at those who show partiality to rich people in the church. Let's pick it up in chapter 2 and verse 2. He says, for if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? We would use the word discrimination today or economic bias, or even racial bias. James pulls no punches here. He goes on to shine a spotlight on the, on the foolishness of such favoritism there. He says partial and biased people are evil judges. They're spiritually irrational. They're lawbreakers. He calls them unmerciful. He says they don't love their neighbor. James has no, no room in his uh, gritty, useful, everyday spirituality for the kind of uh, discrimination that shows bias towards somebody because they have a lot of money and can maybe do some things in the church. Yeah, when you come to church, you kind of check your uh, worldly status at the door, don't we? The CEO sits next to uh, the hourly worker and we are all one in Christ is the idea. And then James, uh, in chapter 2, transitions to his favorite topic and really gets after it here. That's a faith that really goes to work. He says in chapter 2 and verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And the discussion that follows in... Um, Chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, um, really has introduced about a 500-year controversy that began with um, Martin Luther, that Catholic monk who was associated with the Protestant Reformation. He had a problem with James. Because Luther was taken by the idea when he read his Bible that uh, uh, in order to have a right relationship with God, it was by grace alone and through faith alone not by works, lest any man should boast. He read Paul and, well, Luther protested against much that the Catholic Church uh, was teaching. And um, ever since then, people have been asking, are James and Paul in opposition to each other? Do they contradict each other? Luther said yes. Luther said James is an epistle of straw, and he took his penknife, cut it out of the Bible, and said we have no need for this, no use for this book. Well, calm down, Martin. Calm down a little bit. You've got to understand, James is a common sense theologian. If he were living today, I, I suspect he'd be from Missouri, the show me state. Because James says, listen, you call yourself a Christian, that's great, that's great. Show me. Show me the authenticity of your faith by your works. I, I, I want to make sure that it's not just a thing in your head. But I want to see your faith in action, James says. And in that way, Paul and James, they don't contradict each other. They're really two sides of the same theological coin. Justification by faith and by faith alone in Jesus Christ. 
yeah, but you know, here, here comes James. I'm just a practical kind of guy. I just want to see it. I want to see that that faith that you have in your head actually made it down to your heart and down to your hands and your feet. Okay? Uh, he wants to know that your faith is, um, is better than a screen door on a submarine. Okay? That it's real. Because he says in chapter 2 and verse 19, you believe in God and you believe he is one, you do well. Way to go. Even the demons do that. And they shudder in the presence of God. So, so James and Paul are not contradicting each other. If Luther had just, you know, toned down his zealousness a little bit and just taken a deep breath, but, but you got to understand Martin Luther was coming from a pretty far distance, you know, and, and he, he was making his protests and, you know, Luther was Luther. We learned a lot from Luther. And here we are as Protestants today. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can crush the spirit. All the more reason to allow God to help us learn to control our tongues. If you missed part of today's message, James, Your Faith in Action, or if you'd like to hear it again, stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to something good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Partnership has always been essential to fulfill the Great Commission. Today, Ron invites you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good Radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. To join the 828 Club today, look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a single donation to Something Good Radio today, go to somethinggoodradio.org and make the best gift you can. And as our way of saying thanks, we'll give you a copy of a new ebook by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with his series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The eighth in his series of eight ebooks is based on the general epistles and the book of Revelation. Request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. 
Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. We could dive deeply into and simply ask the question, how's your faith working for you? How is it working for you? Truly, a faith that works is, is better, much better than a screen door on a submarine. That doesn't work. It doesn't work very well at all. That'll sink the ship. But how's your faith working for you? And is it a faith that is stuck in your head, but no place else? It never went from the head to the heart where saving faith resides. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares part two of his message, James, Your Faith in Action. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.